the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. So God has displayed himself in the beauty and in the wonder and in the complexity of the universe. And that with an intelligent examination of the data, one can see that there is a divine creator behind all of this wonder and complexity of our universe. And so creation stands in a constant fixed state of praising God by virtue of its design, which testifies to God as creator. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. The planet we live on is a miracle. The beauty and complexity of it continues to awe and leave in wonder even the best of scientists. Pastor Gary teaches us today that this is how God intended it. He made this world in such a manner that it would be a constant reminder to us of His greatness. Through opening our eyes to its great elegance, we can be assured that God, the great Creator, reigns above us. If you find yourself struggling with faith in God, look to the great beauty around you. Try to fathom the complexity of it and look for God in it. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Psalms, chapter 145, with part one of his message, Ways to Praise. Psalm 145 is where we are today, at least that's where we're going to start. We're actually going to bring our study through the book of Psalms to a close today by looking at the last 11 chapters, which all have a common theme, and that theme is praising the Lord, praising the Lord. The word praise is found 49 times in these last 11 chapters. Now, I looked back at the beginning of Psalms when we started this study, and it actually was the second Sunday we came into our new building here. So we've been in this study for nearly exactly a year. So thank you for laboring with me through the book of Psalms. By the way, thank you for turning your clocks back and being here on time. You got an extra hour of sleep, so there's no reason for you to be sleeping in church today. But let's look at Psalm 145 to begin the context of our study today, which is having to do with Praising the Lord. Psalm 145, it says, A psalm of praise of David. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. 
They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. I've entitled the teaching today, Ways to Praise, Ways to Praise. Before I felt, uh, or I should say before I surrendered to the call of ministry, because I I felt it for many years, I kind of struggled with the Lord about going into ministry. I was first a journalism major in college and, you know, enjoyed writing and communications and all that stuff. And then I decided to be obedient to the Lord, make the shift into ministry, and report the real news. <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, at least the most important news, right? But what I remember in, in journalism school is that it's most important that you communicate the main points of the article in the first paragraph and answer the questions who, what, when, where, why, and how. So it's my uh, effort, my intention today to answer at least not six, but four major questions concerning this topic that we're discussing today, which is praising God. And these four questions we're going to answer in the course of the teaching, not in the first paragraph, is going to be, what is praise to God? Who should praise God? Why should we praise God? And how should we praise God? Now, I know that you might think that this is not a very applicable topic to your life. Some of you are going through certain things, and you might think, okay, well, that, you know, this is a wonderful topic for church, but it has very little relevance on my own life personally and what I'm going through and the challenges I'm facing. But don't check out, because you might be pleasantly surprised how this topic has everything to do with everything you might be going through. The topic of praising God is an important topic for two reasons. Number one, we have to, and I'm going to make up a word here, we have to verticalize our lives. We have to verticalize our lives. We live way too much in the horizontal. I I remember growing up in church and there was this lady who always had this phrase. She would go around saying to everybody, she would say, Now remember, don't be too heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And I was like, I don't know anybody like that. I don't know anybody who's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. The the, the problem I think that we actually have is just the opposite. We're so earthly minded. Our focus is often so horizontal that we don't really engage the vertical. We need to verticalize our lives. We we need to get out of ourselves and, and out of the horizontal and begin to look up towards God. 
You know, Paul would remind us in 2 Corinthians 4.18, he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For that which is seen is temporary, but that which is unseen is eternal. He says we have to fix our eyes vertically. We have to fix our eyes on what is unseen, on what is eternal, because that's the most important thing. The writer of Hebrews would say something similar in Hebrews 3.1. 3, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our faith. So Paul there in 2 Corinthians 4 says, fix your eyes. And then the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 3.1 says, fix your thoughts. And both have the same meaning behind it. We have to be thinking about the Lord and things eternal and a heavenly perspective and looking upward instead of always horizontal. And I think you will agree with me that even in our culture, a lot of even social media has contributed to a very me-oriented society. Because... In social, the use of, and again, I mentioned something on Wednesday night. I, I'm not saying the social media is bad or evil. I mean, we can advance the gospel through the internet and social media. So it has some wonderful aspects. But if we're honest with ourselves, social media also feeds this basic human need. It's not a very good need, but it's a basic human need of wanting to be seen and heard and followed and liked. In fact, I read a recent survey that that discovered that 89% of people on social media admitted, 89% admitted that they feel happier the more likes they get. So you're, you're always looking at your social media going, how many likes did I get on this? How many comments did I get on this? And it feeds this insatiable me need. You know, if you're happy and you know it, check your likes. If you're happy and you know it, check your likes. If you're happy and you know it, then your likes will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, check your likes. I mean, that's what we're singing now. It's not reality. Thank you very much. I, I will sign autographs later. But, but that's the way our world has become. And so we need to verticalize our lives because we're way too horizontal with things. The second important reason why this topic is important is because it helps to get the right perspective and priority on life. You see, when... When my focus is on the Lord, there's this wonderful thing that happens in praising him where the greatness of God begins to make me realize the smallness of my problems, the smallness of my anxieties or my fears or my worries. When we begin to just focus on the greatness of God, everything else dwarfs in comparison. And our hearts then get aligned with him. And I begin to get the right perspective and I get the right priorities in my life. So the degree to which I praise God and I, and I align my heart with him and my focus is on him, it also helps me to prioritize my life and to get the right perspective on life. And praising God is that regular reminder of how great God is. And it shrinks everything else and puts everything else into its proper focus. I'm not saying that those things you deal with are not important, but it begins to put those things in their proper perspective and gives you the right outlook and makes your life more prioritized. So let's start with the first thing first. What is praise to God? What is praise to God? Well, the word praise in Hebrew is the word halal. The word halal, H-A-L-L-E-L. And halal just translates in Hebrew, praise. Now, you're familiar with the word that we actually have adopted into our English vernacular, which is hallelujah. That's actually a Hebrew word, and it means praise the Lord. It is from halal, and then the 
the suffix is Yah for the name of God, Yahweh. So it's Hallel and Yah, Hallelujah, meaning praise the Lord. But we use it even in English vocabulary, and a lot of people don't even know what it means. I remember years ago when Dan Rather was still the anchor of the CBS Evening News. I remember watching him, and in the delivery of the news, I don't even remember what the news was about, but he said, Hallelujah. And I thought to myself, he has no idea what that word means. But he just praised the Lord on national television. And a lot of people, I think, go around because it's just an expression. Hallelujah about this, hallelujah about that. But it actually means, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And the last five chapters of the book of Psalms, 146 to 150, are considered the hallelujah psalms. Because each of those last psalms, if you look in your Bible, just a quick glance, 146 to 150, each of those chapters begins and ends with praise the Lord. You see that in your Bibles? 146 to 150, each chapter begins and ends the same way, praise the Lord, which is again, hallelujah. So when we talk about what is praise to God, I think one of the easiest ways for us to understand what praise is to God is to recognize a word in our English that is derived from the word praise, also in English, and that word is appraisal. When a professional makes an appraisal of a piece of jewelry, for example, or your home, or a piece of property, that individual is ascribing a value to that object. So when you think of praise, think of it in the same way, like appraisal, because it, it comes, it's derived from the same word. You are ascribing value to something. Now, God is infinitely superior to any material object, so we don't think of him being appraised like we would jewelry or a home, but only in the sense of when you are praising God, this is what you're doing. You are ascribing value to God. You are declaring with your mouth that he is worthy and he is of inestimable worth, that God is of great value, far superior to anything and anyone. He is worthy of our praise. He is great And he is greatly to be praised. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Well, you might say, well, if I can't even fathom the greatness of God, then how can I worship God in his greatness? J.B. Phillips, I think, has a great quote on this. He said, quote, if God were small enough for me to figure out, he wouldn't be big enough for me to worship. Of his greatness no one can fathom. But that's okay, because that just reminds me that God is so great and so wonderful and so awesome. He is worthy of my praise. And so what is praise to God? It is ascribing value to him. It is honoring him and worshiping him because he is of inestimable worth. Second question is, who should praise God? Now, to answer this one, if you just look here at Psalm 148, look at Psalm 148 with me. I'm just going to read the first 12 verses because the writer of this psalm, just kind of makes a list of of who should praise God. Psalm 148, verse 1, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights above. Verse 2, praise Him all His angels, praise Him all His heavenly hosts. So he he puts angels on the list. Verse 3, he says, praise Him sun and moon, praise Him all you shining stars. So he puts the solar system on the list. Verse 4, praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the skies. He puts the atmosphere above on the list. Jump to verse 7. 
Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Now he he puts land and sea creatures below on the list. Verse 8, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. He puts weather on the list. He says, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Now he puts the plant kingdom on the list. Verse 10, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. Now he puts the animal kingdom on the list. Verse 11, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth. He puts, he puts rulers of government on the list. And in verse 12, young men and maidens, old men and children. He says men, women, and children. So the list there in Psalm 148, he puts angels, solar system, atmosphere above, land and sea creatures below, weather, plant kingdom, animal kingdom, rulers of government, men, women, and children. In other words, what he's saying is let the creation and the created Worship the creator. Let everything, actually the psalmist ends the entire book of Psalms in chapter 150 verse 6 by saying, in case I left anybody out or anything out, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So who should praise the Lord? Everything and everyone. Now you might read this list with me in Psalm 148 and and think, well, how, how can creation, how can the solar system worship God? How can land and sea creatures worship God? How can the weather worship God? The plant kingdom, how can they worship God? Well, creation is actually in a fixed state of glorifying God. The Bible tells us in Romans 1.20 that God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made. So God has displayed himself in the beauty and in the wonder and in the complexity of the universe. And that with an intelligent examination of the data, one can see that there is a divine creator behind all of this wonder and complexity of our universe. And so creation stands in a constant fixed state of praising God by virtue of its design, which testifies to God as creator. The Bible also says in Psalm 19, 1 and 2, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. So God tells us in his word that his handiwork is constantly testifying and glorifying him. Not as much with us. I mean, in terms of us and our created human bodies being, as we talked about last week, by themselves, a statement of the handiwork of God and that God is the creator even behind the human body, we also have a will. And in the exercise of our will, we can choose to praise God or dishonor God. We can choose to glorify God or rebel against God. And that is why more than 200 times in the Bible we are commanded to praise the Lord. Because we could decide we don't want to glorify him and we don't want to praise him. Now, I get, I think you'd agree with me, that people who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior don't have an inclination to worship God. People who don't know the Lord in a personal way may not have the same sense of praising God that we as Christians will have because if you know Christ as your Savior, then you know what he has done for you. And when you know what he has done for you, and you grow in the depth and knowledge of what he has done for you, you have this natural desire to worship him and to give him praise for who he is because of what he's done in your life. There's a story in Luke chapter 7 
Many of you are familiar with this story where Jesus is invited to dinner at the home of a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And Jesus goes and has dinner there at the home of Simon the Pharisee. He was always, you know, just trying to reach people wherever they were. And here's this Pharisee inviting Jesus to his house for dinner. Jesus goes. Bible says he's reclining at the table for dinner. That was typical in Middle Eastern cultures. There would be a, a table in the center of the room. And then people would usually lean on an elbow and feet extended away from the table. And so everybody face front to the table with feet extending away, kind of like spokes on a wheel. And there Jesus is reclined at the table. It's implied that the door of Simon's home is open because in just off the street comes this woman. And she is weeping. And she weeps at Jesus' feet. She falls at Jesus' feet and she's weeping. The Bible says that she wets his feet with her tears. That's how much she's sobbing. And then she takes her hair and she starts to dry his feet. And the Bible says that she pours expensive perfume on his feet to just anoint him and to show him honor. Now, in Luke 7, it tells us that Simon the Pharisee is standing there seeing this. And it says that in his mind, now he's not saying it, but he thought to himself, if Jesus knew what manner of woman this was, he wouldn't let her touch him. She's a prostitute. The Bible says she was a sinful woman. She's a prostitute. The reason that she is so broken is because she's broken over her sin. She's broken over her life. She falls at Jesus' feet in surrender to him and acknowledging him as Lord. Jesus, it says in Luke 7, knowing Simon's thoughts, God always knows our thoughts, taught this little parable about someone who was forgiven a little debt and someone who was forgiven a greater debt. And Jesus looked at Simon and says, now who would love more? The one who was forgiven little or the one who was forgiven much? And Simon said, well, I suppose the one who was forgiven much would love the one who forgave the debt more. Jesus says how true it is. For he who has been forgiven much loves much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. In other words, the reason why this woman was so broken over her sin was because she understood her desperate need of forgiveness. And when she understood the love of the Savior and how he didn't recoil from her and how he loved her and how he forgave her, she was broken about it. And so she desired to worship him and to honor him. That is so true for us. Listen, the reason that you will want to worship God, who should praise God? Everybody who understands how much God has forgiven you and loves you. You should want to worship God. If you understand all that he's done for you by dying on a cross and forgiving you of all your sins, everything you've ever done, you'll worship him much. If you understand how much he's forgiven you, who should praise him? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And especially those who understand the magnitude and the depth of God's love for us and his forgiveness for our sins. Number three, why should we praise God? Why should we praise God? Now, some of you might be asking at this point, I mean, is God just some cosmic being who, whose ego is as big as the universe he created, and so he just wants everybody to praise him, some kind of an egocentric God? Is that, is that the reason why we're, we're supposed to pray him, praise him? Why should we praise him? Well, let me, let me answer that with this question. Have you ever looked at a gorgeous sunset that just painted the landscape of the evening horizon and thought to yourself, well, whatever. <laughs> Has your team ever won the national championship and when the time ran out on the clock, you were like, woo. 
okay? No, of course not, because some things just naturally solicit an exuberance, okay? That's the way it is with God. Of course, yes, we're told to worship the Lord because He's worthy of our praise. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.